Welcome again. My name is Tony Weeder. We have talked about folk Islam and even some some topics concerning African traditional religions. And we also have discussed the issue of evangelism and discipleship. And now we there's no way you can talk about folk Islam without discussing Sufi Islam. And in no way at all there's going to be uh, a huge uh, studies on Sufi Islam. I'm just like scratching the surface of it so that since we talk about folk Islam, we'll be able also to uh, to just put in Sufi Islam and how close they are in terms of overlapping the mystical aspect of it, uh, sin worship and all of that that we talk about. So that's the point I'm coming from as we uh, discuss Sufism. The world Sufi uh, is most commonly believed to come from the simple rough woolen clocks, Suf meaning wool, or worn by the early ascetics of Islam, also possibly from the Arabic Safu for the purity which they seek. So the search for purity, moving out, leaving the world, meditating, searching for God, trying to be one with Him, uh, Trying to be filled and be one with God is the search of Sufi Islam. The origin and growth of Sufism. For Sufis, the originator of Sufism is, not, is none other than the Prophet Muhammad himself. And we will see some of the Quranic verses here. In, in Surah um, 2, verse 152 it says remember me remember me and i will remember you so these are words you sit there and just it become more therapeutic uh, you say over and over over and over again and this is what they do the next verse there is surat 1160 call unto me and i will answer you it's almost like you're reading the psalms and um Call unto me, or remember me, and I will remember you. Call unto me, and I will call, or I will answer you. So they are saying that it was Muhammad was the first Sufi ever, and these are verses they believe that prove that Muhammad was the first Sufi in Islam. Uh, in uh, the Quran two one one five, it says, "Wherever you turn, there is the face of God." Again, searching for the presence of God. What are you turn? In fact, that's a verse in Isaiah 30, 21 that says that as you walk along the path, you will, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so this is a search and this is good analogy that we can use as Christians to actually teach, reach, and evangelize Sufi Muslims since they are hungry. It is, it is very easy to feel, to feel a child that is hungry. But if the person is not hungry, it's kind of difficult trying to feed them. He goes on to say, uh, in 557, a people who he loveth and who love him. Again, the Sufi heart, they're looking for love. Again, going back to John 3:16, for God so loved the world. So again, these verses we need to analyze. I'm not saying that you teach them the Quran, but this is where they are. This is their condition. They are empty. They are searching. The heart need God. And this is where 
I want for you to understand Sufi Muslims. And the next verse there will be 96 or 92, 17 and 20. Seek the continents of their law, most high. Seeking. Seek. Seek the law, most high. So they are in search of God. Another thing we see here again, it says in uh, 92 verse 7, uh, verse 20, it says that those who love have a desire to seek the continents of the law most high. And then uh, verse 96, 19, adore and draw down night, draw near to God. Again, the concept of being one with Allah, of being one with their God, that's the concept of Sufism. The next verse we see is in Surah 2, 156. Adore and draw thou night. No, it's 96, 19, actually. And then 2, 152. We are from God and to God is our return. You know, you remember um, Job in Job chapter 1. Uh, uh, God, you know, from dust I was created. Dust I will return. And so that's the concept they are bringing here. Um, they go on to say that Muhammad is believed to have received from Gabriel divine illumination at the beginning of his mission and then pass on to his companions this way of Barakah. You remember Barakah? Anyone, you remember that way back when we talk about Barakah? A grace, a blessing, spiritual influence, the pack made in the Quran, uh, uh, chapter. To 48 verse 10. But the barakah, and this is the barakah they are searching for. Also, Ali, uh, that is Sheikh Imam Ali, the fourth caliph or caliphate, in particular, but also Abu Bakr, the first caliphate, are also seen as some of the first Sufis and they appear in many lists of uh, Selasa, chains of blessing by which this barakah is believed pass on from sheikh to sheikh. All leaders of Sufi orders uh, up to today have these lists to be seen as authentic. That is, they have lists of those who have gone ahead of them and as they memorize these lists and as to go from place to place trying to fill the hunger within them. And this is where we meet Sufi Muslims. It first developed, Sufism first developed a large following among pious Muslims as a reaction to the worldliness in the period of the Umayyad caliphates, that is from 661 to 749. They were mystical Muslims, constantly meditating on the Quran, especially on the judgment to come, characterized by many acts of piety and all night prayer meetings in which they use repetitive recitation of the Quran to lead them to feel the closeness with God. So the walk again, we're going back to maybe the third, fourth century, even among Christians. We, 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 we see people leaving and going up in the mountains. So these people broke away from the original format, went up in the mountains and they pray, meditating on the Quran. Many acts of piety, 
uh, and then night, all night prayers. You won't believe this, but it is so similar today in, in most of West Africa where they have all night prayer, screaming and yelling uh, that they will be one with God also. And most of these churches are more of an African descent than following of Jesus Christ. And so we see that today. In fact, Paul warned in 1 Corinthians about some of these screaming and searching of the Corinthians uh, about tongues and what have you. Uh, but these people memorized the Quran. They would memorize portion of the Quran. And what was the goal of this? The closeness with God. Closeness with God. Uh, you can see the picture of the great mosque in Tuba, uh, Senegal. Tuba is a major town in Senegal. And instead of the Senegalese Muslims, especially the Sufi, instead of because the money is not there for them to travel to Mecca. So what they do, they go to Tuba as part of the pilgrimage to Mecca. It is cheaper for them to go that far. And so these are some of the things that we see there. Sufi doctrine and summary. Now let us summarize the Sufi doctrine. We're just talking about the spread of Sufism in Senegal. I mean, when you go to Mali, it's the same thing. Uh, Mali is a center for the practice of Sufi Islam also. Nigeria, you will find them there. In fact, Ethiopia, there are different, about three, four different schools of Sufi Islam in, in Ethiopia. Uh, so the doctrine, is, uh, what I'm going to see here is not specific depending on the country you are in. The expression of Sufi Islam could be different from that of Somalis and Ethiopian or Eritreans or Rwandese or Egyptians or Pakistanis or Bangladeshis. So it will be different depending on the country that you are in. If you are in the Philippines, the expression of Sufi Islam will be quite different from, uh, from some of the things that we, you know, we will be listing here. So that, like I said, a good book to read on this, most of these notes come from my dear friend, Doc Person and Phil Parshall. Say, God alone exists. Now, how can we say no to such thing? Everything exists because it is part of the divine reality. Tahid, uh, Quran, chap uh, chapter 4, verse 126. The Shahada, the only absolute reality is the absolute reality. But let's go back to the first one. That is, God alone exists. Just that phrase. And this is where I always take the point where Paul is on Mass Hill and he said that I have observed everything in your village. I have observed everything in your town or in your city. And what I saw that to the statue that to the unknown God. And I'm going to talk to you to the God that you don't know. So there's a good place to start with your Sufi friend. And he said God alone exists. Everything exists because it is part of the divine and there where we break away from it. That is new age. That is very pantheistic. That God is in everything and everything is in God. But look for common grounds and once that common grounds are found, then you hear the gospel. And this is where always, I always find room to share the gospel. Um, um, I tell people that if God provide ticket for me to fly from here, to Africa, that's about 30 hours. And when God provided money for me, in many, many cases, guess what? He sent me a captive audience that sit right next to me on that plane. Do you know what I'm going to do? Torture them with the gospel. And they have no choice. For 30 hours, I have them to myself. I ask them questions. I want to know where they were born, where they grew up, and slowly it leads into religion. 
the second doctrine in the Sufi order is all visible and invisible beings proceed from God. That I don't see the problem with it. Everything visible, invisible, is it proceeds from God. Okay, God made everything, but now we have to be very careful and analyze the wording. And again, it's a good starting place. Quran chapter 2, uh, uh, verse 115 and 55, 26 and 27. Everything that exists resembles him. Though uh, to avoid, okay, now this is where the Sufi Islam is that to avoid pantheism, it is believed that he is like nothing but himself. But there's no way they can escape that part of, 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 of how to call it, being pantheistic in our worldview. And this is why a lot of Africans love or turn to Sufi Islam. If you remember in one of our studies, is that Islam embraces the culture. Islam does not confront the culture to change. In many African countries where I have been or travel, uh, like Liberia, Guinea, Sierra Leone, uh, if you have two or three wives, you can take four more. Uh, if you're uh, doing voodoo and what have you, there's space for that. But again, it's about meditation and being one with God. So we have to, have to understand these things. The third one is religions are matters of indifference. However, they do serve to lead to realities. And Islam is better than others for this purpose. And that I absolutely reject. But again, you, you are not there to start a fight. You cannot debate anyone in the kingdom of God. But that does not mean you cannot use logic and reasoning as you analyze their beliefs and system for you to bring them to God. And we come to the doctrine of, again, Sufism, or summary of the doctrine. Four is a serious problem that has taken over the new age and what's going on mainly in many Western uh, countries. There is no real difference between good and evil. All is unity, which God is the author. Can you believe that? And I met a young, I'll tell you a story. I, I, as an adjunct professor at Denver Seminary, uh, I met a young lady who have read read the book by Shelley McLean. Uh, Shelley, I mean, Shelley McLean is, she's a new age guru. And this young lady told me, oh, told him there's no such thing as evil. And I'm thinking, okay, how can I get to this 19, 20 years old girl? Uh, debating with her will not change anything. So what I did, I took my pen from my pocket and put her with it. And then she, she, she screamed. I said, well, I just want to let you know that evil does not just exist in my mind, but it can actually be translated. And so you have young men and women with that kind of idea. There's no such thing as evil. I mean, how can you say that? Look, look, I mean, go back. People who deny the Holocaust, even today, that is just sad. There's no evil. There's no such thing as evil. And for them to say there is no real difference between good and evil. I think it was C.S. Lewis in his book, Surprised by Joy. C.S. Lewis said, I, there's no way I could know evil if I did not know good. That's why we know evil, because there's good. We recognize good because of the evil. Uh, how many times have people ever complained about, oh, the goodness of God is just too much? No, we always complain about all the bad things that are going on in the world. And look, when you look at uh, Japan, what just happened there? 
It was not good. It was a natural disaster. But people were hurt. Uh, the water going on everywhere around the world. Man is evil. Men and women, we are evil. There's evil exists in our culture. Young people killing young people. Uh, wars in Sudan. People killing people because of tribalism. So that doctrine of Sufi Islam will reject it immediately. That's why God had to send his son into this world to die to redeem us. The fifth thing, God fixes the wills of humans, therefore they are not free. Okay, free will. <laughs> uh, they believe that uh, it's almost like the Arabic phrase, inshallah. Uh, that means, I always say that it gives man or woman the responsibility in Islam not to be responsible for anything. So whatever I do, God is, is already fixed. Uh, and so, uh, so don't blame me because God made me. God made me to do it. The devil made me to do it. Have you heard that before? So he fixed the wills of humans, therefore they are not free. And in order for the Sufi Muslims is to go to that God now, whoever that God is, in order to be one with them. He goes on to say in, uh, in terms of the summaries, uh, six, the soul existed before the body and is trapped in it like a cage. So death is desirable as freedom to return to God. Souls purified by this become worthy of the reunion with God. Whew. Should we come on that a little bit? Here, yeah, let us do that. Uh, let me go over that very slowly. See, the soul existed before the body and is trapped in it like a cage. So they mean this is the body. We are trapped in the body. The interesting thing is within the African pantheon or the African worldview, African traditional religion, this is why that when, when an African dies, especially West Africa, the body, the soul then is leave the body. But what do they do? If it is a man, he's buried. They, they on day four, they go back and what they say that they, they open up the grave again to allow the spirit to get out. And in many African countries again, and there were reincarnation takes place. Uh, it is practiced in many, many Asians and Africans and Middle Eastern countries about the belief in uh, reincarnation. <sighs> Thank you, 